Welcome to iPhone. Welcome everybody to episode 69 of i4o uh the flagship episode of the podcast um i am joined (laughs) i am joined today by none other than you heard him here first kyle and jeff jeff it's been a while since both of you have been on the podcast kyle a little bit more so but that's fine just a smidge just a smidge (laughs) (laughs) um we have some pretty good topics to get into despite the fact that it is now pouring rain outside and despite the fact that it was a relatively slow week in technology um but without further ado i think we should get right into it um man it's really coming down outside yeah matt, of course matt can i stop you right there stop me right here before we get started before we get started Thank you so much, fellas. Man, it feels good to be back. Woo! It's yeah. good to have you. Three to four months off, guys. There's no a... good reasons either. That's like, <laughs> that's a sabbatical right there. It really no, is. I mean, there, there's been scheduling conflicts. There's been me just wanting to figure some stuff out. Personally, professionally, everything's good to go. I'm here, and hopefully it's the first can you returns for myself. Can you bequeath any wisdom upon our listeners that you have earned on your spirit journey? Um, you know, just, uh, guys, I got nothing. I don't know Stay what to tell you. Don't do drugs. It sounds um, like you've truly, you you've truly found yourself. It sounds like. Yeah. yeah no, I yeah. It. I spent a lot of time off getting here, you know, getting yeah. get here to chop you guys this wisdom. <laughs> and among other things, it's always wise to open your walled garden for a game console as well. Um, just jumping us straight into the always a good idea. Yes, of course. Always <laughs> in a good classic idea. Matt fashion. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, the first topic. <laughs> the first topic breaking today. Coincidentally enough, we've been doing a pretty good job with these episodes, getting it to like weird stuff happens on Monday. So like we're doing pretty good. Um, and also forgive me if you hear thunder and lightning in the background. This is the. Uh, ambiance episode of i4o it's a spooky episode uh, it's a spooky one yeah it's yeah. getting close to october october is uh, right around the corner <laughs> so again moving into our first spooky article um sony has agreed to begin to drop its crossplay policy that it has been so strongly um enforcing over the past couple of years uh, and it took none other than this crazy game called two weeks um to do it aka Fortnite. Um, <laughs> you did it. So, we were talking uh, about it and you did it. <laughs> it's like the pre-show blends into the yeah, actual show. We're like, nobody's going to know what an actual Fortnite is or how you spell it. And Matt just dropped some knowledge bombs on y'all. <laughs> That's what we're here for. It's tech news. It's not tech already new. Right. Tech new. Um, so, yeah, going back into that. Um, after... That stupid. <laughs> It's not tech already new. I I'm saved, sorry. Go I've ahead. been saving all this for you, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, but um, and I, I totally knew this was going to happen shortly after they had that ridiculous statement where they were, where they, and we were talking about this, Kyle, on the pre-show, where we were basically just saying like Sony's CEO came out and was like, 
anybody who is trying to do crossplay obviously isn't play- like they were like saying that Sony is the correct platform to play Fortnite on because it's the best experience, which everybody knows is a load of crap because there is such thing as more than one console, and Sony isn't the only game on the market. Um, but they said after what it calls a thorough analysis of business mechanics, um, with AKA a lot of angry tweets and people um, lashing out at them through various internet forums, including our podcast in several episodes. Yeah, well, that that is business Uh, nowadays, so. Yeah, we are business. (laughs) This is a business podcast. I don't know what you guys have been doing this whole time. Um, I'm a business man. I'm a business (laughs) man. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So they have agreed to walk back on crossplay, starting with Fortnite. It's in, I think it's in an open beta at this moment. So yeah, there's an open beta for console crossplay. Um, they're going to begin rolling this out also, I think, for PC and Nintendo Switch as well. So that way you can get the whole gang together. Um, and I think we reported on this a while ago where uh, Sony users couldn't move their accounts over to the Nintendo Switch version of Fortnite when that came out. Right. Um, I wonder if this goes away. I haven't read too deep into the into what that means but i i hope that actually works because that means i could sign in finally on my fortnite account on my nintendo switch because i'm obviously logging hundreds of hours in that game it it would make sense for that to be possible now but i i wouldn't hold your breath just you know speaking from experience with this stuff but yeah the way frustrating part for for us uh my, my son is an avid fortnite player and his one cousin only has the Xbox and then he, we have both the Xbox and the PlayStation. So he had played a lot on PlayStation initially and his cousin gets it on the Xbox and he wants to play with him. We had to create a whole new account. We weren't able to bring it over. So it's hopefully that's something that we can, I mean, not that it matters for us anymore because we have both, but hopefully for people who have not yet uh, ventured into that realm or tried to go cross platform, they can just carry their account over. Yeah. I've just been, I mean, for the maybe three times ever that I've played Fortnite cross platform, like I've just signed in with like a guest account on the Nintendo switch just because it never really occurred to me to like make an effort to create a new account because I didn't play it all that much. Um, I played it like maybe 10 times total, but uh, this policy change is a good thing. I think yeah. for games overall, yeah. I was going to say, can we hold up and stop talking about the accounts for a second? Just think about what this means because it's like PlayStation and Xbox can now and Nintendo switch can now play together with this game. Like, I don't know about you guys, but back when I was an avid console gamer, I used to pray for this because I'd had really good friends, but they were diehard PlayStation players. And I was an Xbox guy at the time, and I just couldn't share that experience with them. And now this is possible. Way back when, um, when I used to game like in high school all the time, I thought for sure that Team Fortress 2 was going to be the game that did that. (laughs) And I was obviously proven wrong. And then later, um, more recently, when I was in my college years, I thought for sure that Rocket League was going to be the game to do that. And I was wrong again. And it looks like Fortnite, I I saw Fortnite come up and now it's like, it became bigger than Minecraft. It became like the most lucrative game ever, probably. So it only makes sense that this is the game to do it. Do you think this is going to ripple out to other games? 
because I hope so. Because like like with Rocket League, I would love it if it was cross platform, like truly cross platform. Like Kylo and I, we've played Rocket League together, and I'm on the PC and he's on his PlayStation. But all he can do is like the quick chats, and yep. he can only join private matches with me. Like we can't party up and go play on like a live server with other people that we don't know. And that's yeah. what we want to do really badly. That's, I mean, that's like what we strive to do, but instead we wind up just like like dribbling the ball at each other. <laughs> Yeah, putting like weird mods on where we can't jump. Yeah. Or... That was so that was such a bad game. <laughs> I didn't tell you I was doing that either. <laughs> I know. I'm so awful. Mm. And um I mean like when you look at the grand picture of this yeah. from like a business perspective, Sony's move initially to block this kind of made sense because Sony tried this back a few years ago, what Microsoft was currently doing with their platform, where Sony had opened it up to cross-play between PC and Microsoft was the company that was holding off on that and keeping things between Xbox and PC separate, um, as well as Nintendo. Nintendo wasn't even really a competitor at the time uh, with, like, the Wii. Um, but it so it only makes sense now that when the tables have turned, Sony's the one blocking it because they remember this happening. So, I mean, you can only fault them so much but it's a good move overall for the industry like we are saying um they have said that they are happy to have the conversation uh with crossplay and i think they had said that fortnite was in the open beta but there are plans if this is a success to move this into other games as well so hopefully your ability to play rocket league will just will be outside of private parties i, mean, I figure i figure i figure PUBG will be one too right like yeah Hey, it's so close to yeah, Fortnite just, as far as gameplay is. And just in terms of popularity, I mean, I know its numbers probably dropped a little bit as Fortnite's gained some more, like, notoriety and popularity, and, you know, that's all you hear about. But, like, any game that really comes to mind when you think of what game could you cross-play, like, I, I would imagine they're considering that. Now, yeah. Do you, do you think, like, um, now that there's these potentials for it, so we've, we've kind of mentioned these smaller... Uh, to start games that, that grew in popularity, things like Rocket League and Fortnite and PUBG mm-hmm. that started off as cheaper games, kind of alternatives to the big titles, to the blockbusters. Do you see a game like Call of Duty going this route? Yep. And why wouldn't they go that way? If- yep, I totally do. Especially, I believe yeah. there's a new one coming out like any day now, right? Yeah, new that- one comes out the first week of uh, November. Yeah. And it's, I would imagine its most popular game mode is going to be a rip from the style of Fortnite and PUBG. It's just gonna be so different than how I'm used to Call of Duty, because like that that was one of the ones I used to wish was cross-platform, because yep. I yeah. you know I had my, zombies cross-platform. Yeah, mm-hmm. but now there's gonna be a battle royale in Call of Duty, like yeah, what? and then Battlefield's doing the same thing. Yeah, Battlefield Five. So you have that's that. how popular it is, man. Don't don't hate me, listeners or you guys, but I've never been a big Battlefield fan. I just can't get into it. It's but. an acquired taste. It's like a totally different pace. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Call of Duty's very fast. Battlefield's a little yeah. more dragged out, I guess, would be the way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I used to play own. a little bit of Perfect Dark before I played Call of Duty, so mm. like, that was an easy transition. That was yeah. a very fast-paced shooter way back Halo when. Halo for me, same idea. Halo as well. Fast. I mean, yeah. Call of Duty was the first, like, really, I feel like, big boom game that was like that, like a first-person shooter game. Yeah. It was. I think it was back in like 2007 or something like that when they had Modern Warfare come out. It was really yeah. big. And they had games before that, but that was the first big one. You could even argue um, United Offensive as well. Like even before 
Modern Warfare. And like back when Call of Duty had initially made the move to console where they had Call of Duty Big Red 1, they had Call of Duty 3, and my like my high school self is like coming out real hard oh, right now. Yep. But um it's like that kind of stuff is great. And it's like that's that was like what I thought set them up to be like the great thing. And Modern Warfare was just like this is the greatest game ever <laughs> of like this is like what a, it like redefined what a first person shooter should be. Is there, is there that, that first flashback to Gilly suit? Oh, <laughs> when that, when your character just popped or the dude you're with just pops up out of nowhere and you're like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, dude, that's... The, like real nostalgia right now. Cause like the, that mission, like I have never been like the closest I've come to being as stressed in a video game as I was in that level where you're laying in the ground and the tanks are rolling by. Yeah. Like the <laughs> yeah. Tank goes over you and like all that stuff is like the closest I've gone is like horror games. Dude, yeah. there, no, there's like, there are cinematic scenes in, I think it was Modern Warfare 2 or Modern Warfare 1 that were like, like gut wrenching and like they tuck at your, they tug at your heartstrings. Like, uh, we're we're getting off topic. Right there? Is that a tear? Yeah, that's that's exactly what that was. No, we're getting we're getting a little off topic here. But yeah, this is anyway. supposed to be a quick article. Yeah. So much for that. That's what yeah. happens when you get a bunch of gamers or at least or former gamers in a room together and start talking Call of Duty. It's yeah, it's over. Yeah, yeah and I, I think this is overall going to be a good thing. And I think even like if you go step take a step away from the game itself. I think on like a networking perspective, this may even be easier as well. So they don't have to maintain all these separate servers for the individual platforms. Hmm. It's just one set of dedicated servers for all the clients that can connect to it. It's going to be interesting. I feel like that would be easier to manage. I um, wonder who, who hosts those, if that's like a, a combined effort or what. But I don't know. But there's probably less work in filtering if you have cross-platform for everything. Yeah probably easier to uh, to because like it's essentially just a bunch of clients connecting to something so and, right. then, yeah. and i feel like for for gaming and for consoles especially they it, if they start opening up and more of these big titles of a call of duty something like that now it really comes down to what can you pump out of out of your studio to convince people to get it because i don't have to just have an xbox to play with my buddies who have xbox anymore if this becomes a case long term that's yeah. a good I point can, I can keep my guilty pleasure and love my Uncharted and my God of War and then still play with everybody who's still obsessed with Halo from back in the day. Like it's, it's, it opens up to like, you need, I feel like it's a long-term effect could accidentally be that it forces Nintendo and Microsoft and Sony to, to push out bigger and better and grander exclusives because you have to draw people in for a better reason now than just what what your friends have. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, what would what do you think this would do for consoles? Like would this kill console exclusives? It's like uh, I, I think it's, I think it's going to go the other way. I think it's going to force exclusives to be that much bigger and that much better and that much more um, advertising pushed into it instead of just kind of like you know running commercials on a gaming YouTube channel. You might see commercials for God of War other other places than like a quick ten second grab during an NFL game. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like the the contractual aspect of that too like who gets the rights to which games is going to become a lot bigger too in that same vein i mean there's just only so far that it matters like which controller you're used to or like you know the hardware is almost like negligibly different between the different systems um the graphic user interface is not negligible necessarily but it's not a huge difference 
Yeah, and that's. I'm wondering if maybe the next generation of consoles, especially if cross-platform play becomes very popular, because as a game developer, they may very well just want to be like, yeah, we'll make it for all the platforms and spread the wealth as much as possible and kind of like cast as wide of a net as possible for revenue. Um, I, I because think, that would make sense from uh, a developer's perspective. I do think this um, is good for the developer, definitely. So that means that that, that that was why I was saying maybe this would allude to a bigger change for consoles overall, forcing them to be a little bit more creative um, in coming up with like different ways of uh, getting people to entice people to buy that that console. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's yeah I, I didn't even think about it from a hardware perspective i think you're right that you could see challenges and and them really pushing the bar on what they want to do with the console what they're willing to do with the console i wonder if we'll like see, you, go ahead i wonder if we'll see like almost cheap cheap shots with like like services provided by certain consoles like maybe one will get exclusive rights to like twitch you know like something huge like yeah. that but like that could be a game changer mm -hmm. or one of them has an exclusive deal with netflix spotify something like that Ooh. like yeah yeah because we've already seen microsoft move move kind of away from being just a console and being more of like an entertainment hub whereas sony and nintendo have remained more as just pure gaming consoles. yeah i mean that so. if, if we are going to see like a, a platform specific thing for like twitch and netflix like that that's gonna absolutely devastate other industries like smart tvs and like fire sticks and like yep. roku sticks I was about to say that yeah it's like this with cord cutting becoming much more popular now like that may be something they want to look into putting in also like being a stream box as well kind Hell, of like, uh, playstation already has PSTV too there or what is it uh view ps view yeah yeah, yeah. They have like their own sort of cable style or uh, you know like a youtube tv style of of service i mean you could see microsoft try and get in that game i mean it's it, like you said, we, they basically, that's the thing. Like when I, when I went looking for a new TV, I was frustrated that nothing was available that wasn't a smart TV. Cause I was like, I have a smart TV already with my Xbox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the more they add, and especially like you said, if they start getting exclusives one way or the other, where you can only get Netflix on one and only, only get, uh, you know, whatever HBO go on the other, that would, that's more of an enticement. Hey, you know, I already have, have one. Cool. I'll go with that. Cause I know I can play with my buddies on the other one anyway. So it's, so I, it, uh, man, it just, it takes it takes away from what the actual thing is about. That's what bugs me about it. Mm -hmm. That it's not just a pure console anymore, meant for gaming. Yeah, and like, I mean, at at one point in time, the games were like noticeably different in what their content was, how well they did it, like which games mm -hmm. each platform was better at making, and that's kind of fading, yeah. at least in this conversation. Well, I mean, the one thing that is nice about this news in particular to kind of tie this back into the story is that in that department, Sony has a much stronger collection of exclusive titles. So being able to enable crossplay across the platforms that aren't console exclusives, I think gives Sony an edge because now not only do they have crossplay, they have all these exclusives as well because they had at one point the more powerful hardware or it was easier to develop games for like you're seeing games come out for PlayStation first over Xbox. Um, but it's it's all just one big push that is moving everything towards one type of like it, it's like one multi-purpose thing for everything. Like you were saying, Kyle, with your smart TV, like my TV, I have um, I've got my shield hooked up into it, which is like a, it's it's a it's a set top box. It's for it's got like Netflix and all the Android apps on it that I want to use. But then on top of that, my TV has a Roku built into it that I don't use. Yeah, it's because I don't need it. 
I so. do the same thing with a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my Chromecast on one of my TVs that's Roku enabled. I just don't use the Roku part of it. Yeah. But. It is what it is. Yeah. But, um, um, if you, this is the beginning of a game changer for sure. Let's just put it that way. There is, yeah. yeah, definitely a lot to think about. <laughs> like, this is all based <laughs> off of it being like, yeah, you can play Fortnite with anybody. <laughs> now we're like, yeah. wait, what, what were we talking about? That's why I was like, oh man, this was supposed to be a short topic, but this is like great stuff. Yeah. Well, we spent about a fortnight on that topic. <laughs> oh, leave now. <laughs> it was good having you, Kyle. Thanks for being on the show. See you in 15 weeks. Oh. Hey. <laughs> well, you said it's the beginning. You said this is the beginning of a new era. Don't do but it. Here. Typical Ifro fashion. It is the end of another era. It's the end of potentially Instagram. Um, what? Know it. Um, I know, Jeff, you don't like those transitions. Have but, you ever um, considered being a game show host? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think but, it'd be a good um, fit. All right. I take great pride in my transitions, and you're not going to take them from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to get into the topic, um, the... Uh, former founders, the original founders of the standalone program that was known as Instagram, which is still known as Instagram, but was bought by Facebook. Um, they appear to have reached a bit of an impasse with Facebook itself, and they have danced and quit. So they're done. Um, they, um, they were in a pretty, it was kind of like, a, I think they, they described it in one of the articles um that it was like uh i'm trying to find the sentence that they used um death by a thousand cuts that was like the best way that i've ever heard Jeez. this um this whole story how this broke so it's basically a combination of like high level corporate politics combined with policy changes being brought down from Facebook, as well as all of the drama from the last year and a half of Facebook news. Um, and just everything just kind of came to a fold. And these guys said they were out because this is not what they signed up for. So this is like, it's interesting. Um, it's got a lot of people worried as to what this means for Instagram, which I would argue is Facebook's most successful product um, in terms of it suffered the least amount of damage during all of the, the like quit Facebook movements and all that stuff. And we talked about that when Odakta was on the show. He was saying that when uh, he was joking around that when Elon Musk was leaving Facebook, he said that Instagram is still fine, and he st his like the all of his company's accounts are still on Instagram. So, um, this is crazy news that um they're planning on stepping down um so most of the reporting was just um the post-acquisition life of a company that's being steered in the wrong direction. they're basically facebook is pulling to pull this back into gaming facebook is pulling an ea <laughs> they're taking a company that's very successful and they're driving it in a direction that everybody who loves it now hates um <laughs> so they're in a sense of ruining the product and people are thinking that um with these two founders gone the core creative spirit that was what instagram originally stood for will die so um 
if that makes sense. It does. It, it's it, a, it's it's tough to digest. It it should be noted, okay, that in 2012, Facebook bought Instagram for one billion dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. Today, it's estimated Instagram is estimated to be worth more than one hundred billion dollars. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm with you on that. That that spirit of like. It sucks that the founders are leaving and like Facebook has tainted this company from what it once was. But like mm-hmm. you go from one billion to a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> like, I'm not disputing that. Yeah. I'm not disputing the growth. But I'm and I'm I'm, I'm arguing like I'm not even really saying that this is that de- this is a definite and this these aren't really my thoughts. This is just me regurgitating a Verge article. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it does bring up an interesting thing, like what does this mean for Instagram? now that their founders are gone like how much influence did they have and what like what could we do to do this but because these guys um according to a lot of the reviews and information that's been disseminated from reporters and information from this verge article in particular that i have up um the Seistrom and krieger were deeply involved in the day-to-day product decisions for instagram and they had uh, retained an unusual degree of autonomy over the company. So um, it says for years they were careful to the point of being obstinate. Even as they began to expand Instagram's suite of offerings, they remained deeply cautious. Features for creating groups of favorites and the standalone messaging app um, that have been in testing, um, as well as like Instagram TV and all those new things that are rolling out. Um, but I don't know. Like, it goes to, like, because like you said, Facebook's purchase of them is what made them as successful as they are today. Because Facebook connected those two services. Yeah. Facebook is where you go to do calendar invites and to be angry at your family members on Facebook and, and, like, yell at people and get yourself angry. And then you go to Instagram and you upload the best aspects of your life and look at memes and do whatever. So... I, I mean, I can't imagine what it feels like to be these guys, right? Like, like you, you hear Facebook's buying you for a billion, a billion dollars, and you're like, sweet. And then you realize what that means, and you say something that I can't say on air. Like, you, you know these things are coming. You know what Facebook is, and you see what Facebook has grown into. It's just got to be ugly to try and have any kind of, like, control over the path of your company at that point because it's just going to slowly become, like, another version of facebook yeah it's so, just go ahead I'm sorry I, go ahead so just for for everyone myself included to some extent but for everybody who listens out there who is just very casual and just downloads the app and uses it and doesn't care what the features are really what is the most important reasons what are the most impactful reasons that these guys are frustrated and they're leaving. I mean, I, I've, I've known things like kind of stripping Instagram's name from Facebook as the integration happened. So I, I know that like when he used to share stuff that you say shared from Instagram, now it's just like, whatever, we're the same thing, who cares? Uh, what are some of the things that led to this? What are some of the things that, at least in in the best you guys can layman terms, what's, why why is this exit and why are they so upset? Um. So this is like just, to like put it as plain and simple, um, Facebook's increasing attention being brought to it in terms of the drama that it's been pulling towards it from 
um, pretty much the rest of the world, whether it comes to like the fake news stuff or yeah. um, the like Russian influence on the ad on the ad revenue, like however, whatever angle you want to take on it. Instagram has been largely um, free of that criticism. Um, it's been largely not really considered to be a Facebook thing. It's been very standalone. And um, the two founders, the first of which was involved in, um, they say that, let me just find the confirmation on this. Um, so the one founder was uh, Krieger, was actively running Instagram's engineering team. Um, and he was seen by many internally as the company's heart and soul, um, as well as um, Systrom was their product visionary. And he was hands-on even after bringing in other product executives from Facebook itself to do more of the day-to-day -day execution of Instagram. Um, so these two people having as deep of a reach into the development and into the life cycle of Instagram as they do, um, a lot of the developers internally are worried that this is going to, whoever replaces them is going to be just a, like a stuffed suit from Facebook who's just going to want to monetize and drag this down the same path that Facebook is going to where Instagram will, because there's a lot of problems because like we, we've talked about it in the past, Facebook can't grow anymore. They're just not good yeah. at it. Facebook does, is having a very hard time at pulling new users in. Instagram has no problem doing that. Everybody likes to take pictures. Everybody likes the platform they have. Um, they've made a, they've made like some decisions that people have been like kind of either iffy or don't really care about. Whether it's Instagram TV, I don't, I've never used it, um, or um, when they changed their timeline randomly from being chronological to like whatever the heck algorithm they're using right now. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, that's largely been it. Facebook has been very shady. Well, that, so that so I know, I think we've, I think yeah. I know that you guys have, have covered it in my absence. And even before that, we've talked the countless, countless times about how many things Facebook has done wrong or the wrong steps or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just surprised. And I think that's, I think I'm, I might just be missing something here from my absence, but I think it's more surprising that they're stepping down knowing how separate they've stayed. It's, yeah, it, I've known since the, the acquisition happened that they are the same company and yet Instagram feels different still. It has always felt different. Yeah. You don't see them putting out like dual branded, like when you see the ads that say like, Hey, we're sorry. And we're trying to do better. They're not like, Hey, Instagram too. They're like, no, just Facebook. Instagram's fine. <laughs> just it, Facebook sucks and we're going to do better. And we don't want to sell your data anymore, even though we probably will. And, mm -hmm. but Instagram they're, they're fine. Like it's, I feel like it's, they've always been treated as separate and I, it's that that becomes more of the surprise to me who hasn't been up on everything that these guys are uh, choosing to step away now yeah i, I don't I, I won't claim to know a ton about instagram and a ton about instagram's relationship with facebook in general but i do know that um a, sh a standalone shopping app for instagram's in the works and mm -hmm. so is uh Instagram Direct, which is basically like a messaging app that takes the messaging out of Instagram or DMs, as you may know them. Um, and this is all too familiar <laughs> with how <laughs> Facebook did this. Um, yeah. 
So, so there were, there was really no one big thing, kind of like you said, the the death by a thousand cuts. It's just like, dude, you're getting annoying. Like, I, th I think that's I think that's exactly before it goes too bad. That's exactly what they meant. Yeah, it's just like one thing after the other, and at some point you just got to be like, all right, I'm done. Like, forget this. Yeah. And also, um, when you look at just the, the office structure as well, um, this Verge article goes into uh, Instagram's building itself, saying it's a coveted job at Facebook. If you're a developer, you want to work for Instagram because the the people there love their work, and um, and it's not because they have a nice office. It's not because Instagram has been largely free of the drama. It's just because the people have liked the relative autonomy that they've enjoyed over the past eight years, um, and increasingly. As you're seeing with Instagram TV, as you're seeing with the Instagram Direct, it's like becoming more obvious that Facebook is encroaching on Instagram's autonomy, and that has a lot of people worried. So you have to think about what they're doing with data to do that stuff too. Like yeah. Yeah. Instagram Instagram shopping, I'm sure they're using some sort of like AI to analyze pictures to tell what you're interested in or what you viewed. Like what what do you spend more time watching? The more the tech gets involved, the more dangerous it gets, I think. And the I more just, you get back to that place where Facebook has been. Yeah. I mean, and also no, take it for what it's worth, but Facebook has been dead silent on this, too. Facebook <laughs> hasn't had a statement. It's just coming, the statements have come from those two. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get so. some like generic brush over a statement oh, at yeah. some point but like i i don't i don't know these these two founders i don't know anything about these guys honestly but i can assume that they they founded instagram probably because a it's a great idea right to share photos make a platform for it but probably also because they shared they cared at some point about like sharing art or like your life with someone like you know this the classic phrase a picture a picture is worth a thousand words so like you you can share your story that way and it's it's more meaningful in a way and it's just transitioned to like going through like nba highlights and kardashian memes like it, it's got to be utterly depressing if you actually cared about what you made yeah, yeah. it's kind of one of those like you know i i want to i want to go out while, while my baby still is who she is before i watch her crumble in front of me <laughs> and and I'm, I'm sure they they stacked up some money you know going from a one oh, billion yeah. dollar buyout to a hundred billion dollars i'm sure they had stock and you know what have you but yeah they're, they're gonna be well off i mean both of them <laughs> said that they're taking time off from tech for a while yeah I, like, mm -hmm. yeah one of them is a, is a new father so well, yeah of course that's that ha that has a part to do it but it's like they might be burnt out on all the politics that we don't know about behind the right. scenes so, well yeah. and meeting with facebook people every day like having to probably try and fight back for no reason because it's never gonna happen your way like it's, it's got to be like arguing with a boss who just doesn't care about what do you think. Right. <laughs> I know something about that. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. What, what is that like? I don't know. Maybe mm, I do. Yeah. They're just not as autonomous as they used to be. Yeah. By the way, if my current boss watches this, I'm not talking about you. Just have the... Yeah, and neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I don't know um, what this means for Facebook. None of us can see the future last time I checked. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, I, I'm not speaking for everybody, so I, cause I obviously don't know that either, but no comment. Um, 15 weeks guys, you know, if any of you were a soothsayer, I would like to know who's going to win, um, any one of the championships that are coming up. Because... We'll talk offline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so do you want to talk about this? With... 
the max future is that what you're gonna do are you gonna transition no i wasn't no. this wasn't a lame transition i okay. promise i was uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to taper this out and move into the new one okay um, sorry so either way mac os mojave <laughs> yeah i'm glad we weren't on you know, air that, for that you know, awkward that was, transition exactly what it was going cut them off. Exactly i'm happy that didn't happen on air on the internet <laughs> or on a recording <laughs> that's fine um but yeah so mac os mojave um what appears to have been just a dark mode being added to mac os is actually running much deeper so kyle i don't know you have a macbook right i don't know uh, i do i don't I'm know not. if you installed this yet or not no? yet okay well maybe you might want to after maybe after this you might learn why um so especially if you own an iphone there's good reason to want this update in particular um they're trying this is like the the baby step in the direction of merging the two experiences into one final product and being a little bit more developer friendly as well as uh, making a lot of critical improvements and even some like no-brainer improvements as well that like i would have thought they would have had but i just was never i don't use mac os enough to be savvy to what um random permissions that they don't allow um but just to like walk through some basic features that are in mac os mojave it came out i think the 24th of september um i was a part of the beta so i had kind of had some time to play with it myself as well um and just from an initial perspective, before I get into any of the like reading from the books numbers, um, it has. I have a 2012 MacBook Pro. Um, a lot of people like those ones because that was the last MacBook that you could remove the RAM and the hard drive and <laughs> all that stuff and upgrade it since it wasn't all soldered to the board. But right. uh, that computer was starting to get, it was starting to show its age in a real bad way. And Mojave has. Give, has breathed new life into my MacBook. It's running much more smoothly. Apps are very snappy. Like it, it's very nice um, in terms of just raw performance. And it alludes almost to what me and Irvin were talking about back when we were talking about iOS 12, in that iOS 12 brings major performance improvements to iOS for older devices as well. Um, I was on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we talked about it across multiple episodes because I remember talking go. about it for a long time. But um, either way, yeah, carry um, on. What was that? I said carry on. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know exactly what this means for macOS, what it, where they're going with it, what this could allude to. Um, but first off, dark mode's kind of cool. Yep. <laughs> An OS wide dark mode. That's always a welcome thing for me, being a developer. Yeah. Um, but so they have done some quality of life as well on top of just dark mode um they have a new way of organizing files which they call desktop stacks um this i didn't get a chance to play with but it looks like it could either be very clean or a mess depending on how much stuff you like to store on your desktop um what it does is it will sort into commonly used categories and for anybody watching the stream i'm putting up a a screenshot of what this looks like when it's working well. Um, you have images, PDF documents, screenshots, um, like, and then just folders below that. Um, but if you have a lot of junk on your desktop, it will sort them in this nightmarish way um, that I have since put up <laughs> now, 
where it just kind of staggers everything across multiple screens and you have like you have your images but you can see that they've expanded on those and they have the screenshots and they've expanded on that folder but it's like tearing it across the desktop in this like really ugly way um and it doesn't overwrite it doesn't open like a folder would it just pushes the elements below it in the stack further over to the end so you can see like the folders have been pushed to the very end um the screenshots show at the end of the images it's not very clean it's like a really like, weird way to organize that stuff i don't it sounds like a really weird folder yeah yeah and i mean i think it's to avoid like navigating through different windows and finder but I, I don't know why they took this approach as opposed to something like when you have multiple web pages open and you minimize or something like that or your downloads folder where you can click it and it kind of like expands out and you can see what's in there yeah, I don't know why they chose to just like throw this all up onto your desktop. Well, I I kind of like I I kind of it's it's one of those things where like I like it just because I like having a clean desktop. So like ninety percent of the time those stacks will be closed. Well, yeah, so they'll, they'll just be neat off to the side. But um, <clears throat> like, and I'm always like moving stuff off my desktop into the documents folder into like yeah. random folders that i created so this this would kind of make that a little bit easier i love but, yeah. that aspect of it but i just think yeah. the expansion of those items is what's terrible about this it should pop out in like a subfolder exactly kind of like how it does on ios when you expand the app folders right that's think, yeah something that's like cool like about. exploded view or something like that as opposed to like just dumping it on the desktop like that it's just like oh here's what we're hiding like yeah <laughs> I, that's, that's why i want it hidden <laughs> yeah yeah, it's like, oh, look, here it is. Here's your mess. It's like you're, you're like, it's like you ever see like the, like people have their desks that are like super clean at work, but then like you catch them opening their desk drawer and it's like a, <laughs> it's like a rat's nest in there. There's like open bags <laughs> like, of chips in there. <laughs> yeah, like my desk is like that. I'm guilty of that. And that's what this is. This is the the horrifying rat's nest that's hiding under someone's desktop. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's just a way for Apple to hide it on. It's nice because it's automatic. That's nice. But yeah, um, I think each one of us can even in, right now, without even being able to describe it, we can envision a better version of it yeah, <laughs> right now. Yeah, exactly. I, and I think I, I wouldn't I, be surprised if there's an update shortly. I hope there this. is. Yes, I hope there is. Yeah. I, I love this organization tool in general. And yeah, I think it's a good I, idea on the server. I hope that yeah. you can like teach it things, almost like you set up rules in like your email client. Like if it says this in the title, mm -hmm. then put it in this like something with that for oh, organization. Nice. Yeah, but this this like expansion thing is really stressing me out right now. <laughs> just just like seeing it like and hearing it. about it and talking about it, like I I don't like this at all. Yeah, kudos <laughs> to the Verge for having some like hilarious screenshot captions. Yeah. It's, like stacks being helpful, stacks being less helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but also, um, among these, there are some things that are actually nice. So for example, um, they've altered screenshots and how screenshots are taken on Mac OS. So that works in a very similar way to iOS did in that when you take a screenshot, it'll pop up in the corner of the screen, letting you like take some quick actions on that screenshot. So it'll let you, um, like do some tools like quick edit and stuff like that. Kind of like how you can do that on your phone. Mm -hmm. um, so that's nice. That's a nice little feature. And that kind of is another allusion to their move towards a fusion between Mac OS and iOS, giving you like a very similar experience. Um, 
So you can do other stupid stuff like dynamic desktop lets you choose from one of two wallpapers that change throughout the day. Um, Safari finally shows favicons and that will probably excite nobody except myself because on my website, I used to have a favicon <laughs> instead of an icon and a favicon for anybody who doesn't know is that whenever you have your browser tabs, the little picture that shows up in the corner of the browser tab, that is a favicon. And, um, most browsers don't support the true form of a favicon, which is a small GIF. So you can like make it animated. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but now you can do it on Safari. <laughs> I've, you can animate that little icon at the top. I've not seen that. I did that on my website for probably like the better part of a year or two. I had it where like the M logo was like scrolling across horizontally on it. And there's like favicon generators you, you can find all over the internet. Um, but yep, Safari now has it, which is nice. Just in time for me to get rid of mine. <laughs> That's cool. I, I feel like a bigger change is uh, Safari is the the blocking websites from tracking you with like your microphone and your uh, webcam, right? Yeah, I was working my way up to that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. You, you seem more excited about the Favicon, Matt. Sorry. I'm, but... yeah. I'm not bitter. You're bitter. <laughs> um, so, go ahead. But yeah. So the... Um, just moving into so i have to i think skype is open let me kill that real quick uh, <laughs> no it's not okay either way so yeah there's there's security updates as well like you were talking about um safari blocking web trafficking web web stuff from tracking you across the internet mm -hmm. um and the one thing the permissions thing which i thought was dumb was that now it's requiring apps to get your permission to use your microphone and your webcam like I thought that would have been something that should have been done a while ago. Yeah, exactly. They're doing it. It's a very overdue change. And I 100% agree with the Verge's article <laughs> emphasizing that. Doesn't it kind of um, weird you out that it wasn't required before? <laughs> like, who's uh, been listening and looking at me? Yeah. Listening to think, and looking at me. Everybody thinks Mac OS is supposed to be this like way more secure thing. But obviously, with stuff, the like, glaring oversights like that, it, it wasn't. Yeah. So. Um, now, I think what would be even more concerning is people who update to Mojave and then suddenly when they first log in are immediately hit with, this would like to access your webcam. It's like some <laughs> random program. And then it's like, uh. <laughs> I have that? What? I can almost <laughs> guarantee that happens to me the second I upgrade. I'll let you know. Let's know, yeah. We're going to get your hot take on it next episode. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll update mine too and let you know because I'm, I'm OCD with what's on my MacBook, so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but moving into the, the, I was trying to, the creme de la creme, the biggest feature, the, the, the piece de la resistance of uh, Mac OS Mojave is the introduction of iOS apps being directly ported over to Mac OS. So, um, we're seeing that now with notes, um, and as well as, uh, news, stocks, voice memos, and home. So... Um, those apps have been directly ported over from iOS. Cool. I mean, that's cool. This is tying back to when we were talking about the new iPad Pro and we were like, what is the future of this? Is this going to be the merging of the MacBook and the iPad where the mobile platform kind of mixes with OS X? And I yep. think that this is the first big step in that direction. Yep. Yeah. It's and, really cool. Um, if you use any of those apps, then your workflow may become a lot more efficient. Um, so 
if you use any of them on your iPhone, having them here as well is great because all of that stuff will probably sync across your iCloud account. Um, so that is a very big quality of life improvement there. Um, and when other apps begin to adopt this, they include an example saying um, that they've always hated to upload voice memos to Dropbox so they can get them on their Mac. Now the voice memos, which is an app in Mac OS and iOS, it'll just share across both so they can get them in both spots which is nice. Um, it, it's one less step. It's just way more convenient. And yeah, it, it's akin to the syncing of uh, iMessage across the devices too. Like mm -hmm. it's, the more seamless the transition is, the more user-friendly it is, so. Yeah, and very similar to desktop stacks, this seems very half-baked as well. So like when you do go into the programs and you do go to like, check it looks like and there's screenshots up of the home app right now mm -hmm. it's very very simple <laughs> very minimal it looks like it should be on an iphone like it's it's it seems half baked and rushed um so like there's only there's only room to go up from here at this point from um their perspective and as they and since this is only open to uh, internal applications at the moment, third-party developers aren't able to begin to work with this yet, but um, they are touting that it's very easy for developers to port their applications over from iOS to macOS. So hmm. if that happens, I think like overnight, it's it, depending on how easy this is, the like Mac app store could become like on the same level as the Windows app store. Yeah. Just in terms of just okay. available programs to use. I was thinking the same thing. And like when I'm like thinking of like they have just recently rolled out some quality of life features for iOS. Like for example, uh, LastPass will now autofill on iPhones. And I was thinking to myself like if LastPass does this, which they probably will, how nice would it be to have like an OS level password fill program? Because like on my Windows computer, I'm always like copying it from the browser into <laughs> like a program on my desktop or something like that if I have to log into something. Um, there's no like Windows wide one or one that works well enough for my use case. So, and having a MacBook at home, it will be a nice quality of life to be able to do that. Um, but that's just one of the potential futures for this. Yeah. And Kyle is, I don't know, as somebody who has an iPhone and a MacBook, I don't know how this would, this, this seems like it would make your experience a little bit better. Well, yeah, for sure. I think that mm -hmm. it's it's funny because the more integration we get between all of our devices, I think it's it's obvious that it's easier to to fully experience each device. I mean, there's a lot of things that I won't do on my phone because it doesn't merge with my computer or vice versa. And the more merging they they get, the easier it becomes. I mean, it sounds stupid and probably extreme, but the things that we saw in movies years ago that we were like, man, when's that going to happen is mm -hmm. this is one of those things where like I walk in my house and my Bluetooth is on and then boom, my computer has all the stuff I did up at home all day. Yeah. And it's a seamless transition where I walk in, I press a button, it sends everything to the computer and, and I can just pick up where I left off. The things you see in Iron Man are happening now. Like you're, this is the beginning steps of things like that. Just yeah. like, you know, we're not waving it imaginary screens in the middle of the air mm -hmm. they just have to so call me when that happens <laughs> yeah. 
We'll see you in Mojave. <laughs> we'll see you in Mac OS High Mojave. Yeah, come on. They did that with High Sierra. Yeah. They were like random updates. Yeah, is that gonna <laughs> is that gonna be a Mac OS XI? Because that's something <laughs> I wanted to bring up. What yeah, is it's what Mac OS ten, thank you very much. Yeah, well what's gonna bring eleven, Matt? Because Whenever. we've been on ten since Lion. And yeah. I don't know when that came out, but I knew that it was like like 2006 or something like that yeah whenever uh whenever a person says os x or iphone x tim cook gets a crick in his neck (laughs) (laughs) gets a little twitch (laughs) um but yeah so i I don't like it's seen it's like it's like really like half-baked and like a weird like the for example um they go into some of the details on like on this saying that like on the desktop I expect to be able to swipe back on the trackpad in order to go back a page in the news program for example um but in news if you swipe back it takes you to a previous article and to get back to the main screen you have to find a quote unadorned back arrow hidden at the far corner of the program Hmm. um and in the home app you're greeted with an ios style scrolling menu instead of a drop down um and they said that they once had a giant full screen vertical slider in order to set a lamp's brightness so like not a very intuitive experience on mac os but somewhere like in this weird hybrid twilight zone between both pro between both operating systems so like they're like you were saying kyle there still is like you can keep sleeping and waiting for your iron man future because there's still some work to do here. um it's very yeah. early i also don't want to downplay it either i think it's a really cool feature i think that the the key like you said is quality of life and ease of of work and life and access and balance between these things and I think ease of access is is what a lot of people hope for. I think yeah. that, um, you know, when you have this computer at home that you don't touch all day and you are sitting, even if you're a very casual person using tech, if you're not taking notes or doing any work involved, if I am just scrolling through pictures and doing stupid edits and making fun of my friends on my com- on, on my phone all day, and then I come home and it's on my computer already, like that makes my life as a very casual person who's not working on actual quote unquote work, it's, it, it makes that easier. It is, it's an improvement to anybody who has both of these platforms, whether you realize it immediately or not. It's one of those things like you're going to look back six months after you do this and it starts working and you're like, damn, I didn't have to think about that and it happened already. Yeah. Right. And uh, for anybody who's interested in a more in-depth breakdown of the exact features recommended graphics cards for your old computer um what to do with unsupported computers like this big big write-up that was done by ars technica on mac os mojave i have that linked as well in the show notes um so anybody who is interested in finding out like just more of the granular details of this os update um they can feel free to reference those as well um because it really is extremely thorough. We could be here for probably a couple hours talking about just the level of detail that this article goes into. Um, but Kyle, like you're saying, like even if it is half-baked and some of the stuff isn't done yet, there are a lot of quality of life improvements here. There are a lot of security updates. There's a lot of like no-duh brainer things like the permissions for the, mic- the microphone and the webcam. Um, and like I was saying at the very beginning of this topic, like it's breathed new life into my now six-year-old macbook pro um so like it's worthwhile for people who are on an old macbook and 
for people who want a dark mode i don't know <laughs> on their desktop so i think that um it's an important it's a good update i recommend installing it maybe who knows maybe your computer right. will have a much maybe you'll be reporting next time a much better experience on your computer things will be moving a little more smoothly it'll be like it'll be uh like teaching an old dog new tricks it'll be like it's 09 all over again baby yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't think we should spend too much time on this because we do have a couple more topics to talk about. Yep. Um, Amazon's playing the brick and mortar game again in New York City. Um, they are going to be opening up a new store that only sells products with four star ratings and above, um, which is kind of cool. Um, I don't know what this means, and I have a lot of questions, but I think that's what that's what the, that's what we're here for. We're here to talk about this and make sweeping accusations at Amazon about these possible answers that they may have. Um, so they're going to be um, the store will have a new and the store will have new and trending items and bestsellers regardless of their review score. Um, it says you'll find a ton of Amazon hardware. I'm sure they're going to load this thing up with echo products and um fire sticks and all that stuff so i'm sure you're going to expect to see tons of those amazon products in these stores i mean in the screenshot they even have echo dots for sale um but it's going to also have stuff from consumer electronics devices kitchen home toys books and games so it seems like they're just going to cover a wide range of stuff um this is interesting. <laughs> I am already really, really, really excited about the internet working together to get the most obscure things for star plus <laughs> ratings to end up in this store. I can't wait to see people just posting pictures of like the most ridiculous items in this store because a hundred thousand people decided on on Reddit that they were all gonna give Joe's foot wedge um <laughs> a four a four and a half the next month isn't it like, isn't this so smart though like from amazon's standpoint if you think about things that are trending and have high ratings like even like they're they're a shipping giant they can get yeah. things moved from a to b like it's no problem at all and now they're gonna have a store where they only feature the most popular and the most like noteworthy items so people are going to go there and just buy what they see because other people have bought it or rated it highly. Yep. It's like not, a cash cow. Not to I mention think. that this store is also going to have in front of the products little like business cards with custom with random customer reviews. So you can read the reviews hmm. of the product that you're looking like at. That. That's interesting. Like, it's, like, it's like Amazon, but literally in a store. Like the exact experience of Amazon. So that was going to be one of my questions about this is why, I mean, I know that Amazon has this push for like in-person stores, you know, the acquisition of Whole Foods, et cetera, et cetera. But like, why, why go this far? I don't know. Honestly, I, I actually have a small theory. Okay. I think it's, uh, and it, and it's, I just came up with it now. So it's probably very flawed, but um, the, I think that when you see the way to get in, as a as a company that's making products and selling them through Amazon, uh, you gotta push it. You gotta push that product, and you have to push people to go to Amazon to get your product and review it. And yeah. that's less effort that they have to do on pushing products and getting people to review because the company that made the product in the first place is doing it for them. Just do it in the forum. Yeah, it's 
it, it it's more effort right now. And if it works, it could turn into less effort in the long term. And I think it's you're basically forcing other people to be like, yeah, you're going to market this for us and we're going to reap the benefits. There's something yeah. about shopping in person, too, isn't there? Because like, oh, that, yeah. that, that like instant gratification and walking at the store with that in your hands, like even like waiting a day for a prime shipment is like cumbersome at this point. Like, yeah. And, and like, that's why they have midnight launches, man, for yeah. video games and yep. TVs and anything. That's why people wait in line for phones and all this. It's yep. because walking out and being able to hold it in your hand, like, oh, I'm the first one. I got it. Yeah. It's yeah. a big deal. And like, I don't know if you guys have ever caught yourself doing this, but like just randomly browsing Amazon, just like checking stuff out, looking at random things on Amazon. Like I'll like I'll just find myself one time like I'm looking for something on Amazon, but then I get like sucked into this rabbit hole. And next thing you know, I'm like 30 products deep, just like reading reviews about this like lampshade or something. Hang that on. I would have no interest in buying. Did but you... I'm literally just browsing. Did you say sometimes? Because I, I heard all the time. Because <laughs> every time I use Amazon, that's what happens. Like, uh, let me just close that tab that I have open. Yeah, here. right. <laughs> um, but I'm reading, like, I'm looking at these screenshots while you guys are talking. And um, I'm seeing some, like, going towards what Kyle was saying, like, just some interesting things that they that in reasons why the store might exist and like just for example they have things like baby registry you can see on the far left of like the front screenshot that they have for the article on the verge um they have things like baby and toddler grade school uh like play-doh like random items there it has amazon exclusives and then it has something that i find the most interesting which is trending around new york city yeah um, well I don't know. Did we mention that this first store is in Soho? Yeah. Okay. So, I didn't that, though, but no, I didn't. so yeah, that 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 is a, pardon me, but a prime location for this first hey. store. <laughs> Zing. There it is. Yeah. Welcome to the crowd. Thanks. Hey, welcome. Good There's to be here. Competition for you, Matty boy. There <laughs> no. you go. I got the peanut gallery following me. <laughs> I'm full of regret. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I think that's interesting. Um, that they're having like trending around New York City uh, because that could like someone may want to pop and just be like oh I wonder what like a lot of people like me may have bought that they found interesting or helpful on Amazon or like something that they might have seen and it like introduces that browsing ass perspective that people never get with Amazon because you can't walk into a brick and mortar store um, and I have two like big things the, the one is a big problem that I have with it but the other one is a potential thing that that I would like to see is um, potentially like they could use this, this platform at Whole Foods brick and mortar places that they already have and put like a gift shop style corner into the store where it's something just like this, where it's like, look, it's like Whole Foods. And then it's like a little, little, little uh, spice of Amazon or a little like little dollop of Amazon over in the corner over there um, where people can go and check out stuff that isn't exactly needed in a grocery store hmm. um, they could do that potentially I'm, I'm, i wonder if we maybe we'll see something like that going forward maybe there's you know, a even, lot of even the tech corner you know it's yeah yeah i mean like look at walmart it does groceries it does tech it does car it does all sorts of stuff it would only make sense for and if as amazon being walmart's biggest competitor to take some of those the free real estate in those larger whole foods and begin to do something like this yeah that makes so, sense. Yeah. And like, that's, that's my big, like, what if theory for Amazon. But like the thing that worries me about this stuff is that like, um, it says regardless of review, um, 
And we've talked on this uh, podcast a lot of times about stuff that doesn't necessarily deserve its rating because of inflated reviews, mm-hmm. um, illegitimate reviews, um, FCC, weird, <laughs> we, <laughs> weird, weird price markups. Yeah. Like DDoSing the FCC just to get some net neutrality in here. <laughs> um, but like, that's what I'm like, is there some kind of, um, like, are they looking at verified purchaser reviews? Or are they looking at all reviews? That's something that would potentially bring a, a substantially large difference in what kind of products you might see. Absolutely. And a, another question I had too is like, if something teeters down to like a three point nine, are they gonna rank like just yank it off the shelf that day? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because like I, that kind of stuff can I, change I, pretty quickly. I would think that they are going to be using verified accounts to get these ratings. That would be my thought. Otherwise, you would see all kinds of stuff pop into this store based off of illegitimate reviews, and I don't think that's what they're going for here. Yeah. I think this is... Go ahead, sorry. No, that's all you. One of the concerns that I have, uh, just, I mean, you know, quick thinking is the... um, We've we've talked previously, and I know that I haven't seen as much on this as, uh, as recently, but I know that previously we had spoken, like, sometimes you'll see items that are set at a price and then all of a sudden like a week later they'll be on sale at a higher price reduced to that same price (laughs) if that is going to be like what the trending item is all of a sudden you you may run into like a hey amazon here's a few extra here's a few extra bucks can you fake a sale for our product to put it in your store and and it's not that that would necessarily happen but it's, it's something that that you would have to be worried about for sure or in yeah. in the same vein if something is trending are they going to hike the price based on that yeah it says you're yeah, going to exactly. get the amazon price but yeah what if the amazon price goes up because right. it's trending what is the exactly. amazon price like I, I get obviously it's a website and there's a price on that website but what the fine it's just employees running around constantly updating <laughs> the sticker price it's a sticker gun but it's like a violent sticker gun they can shoot it from across the room like just <laughs> like looking at a set of diapers and a sticker just flies past your face <laughs> yeah actually if, i if saw you... for no you didn't no, you didn't. If you actually uh, click on one of the links in the episode, they're actually hiring ball boys from uh, the professional tennis league to run out and switch the tags. <laughs> it just for you see like a flat fast you in the store. All of a sudden, all the prices are different, and like the products have been replaced with new ones. Uh. <laughs> Um, the one thing that I, I think is probably the biggest reason why Amazon is doing this is this is probably a really great exercise of how good their data collection is. Um, hmm. Just because of like the, to the kind of things that the article mentions is throughout the store, there are features like most wished for, a collection of products that are most added to Amazon.com wish lists, uh, trending around New York City, which is like location specific data that they're collecting. Right. And then hot products that New York City area customers are buying and then as well as frequently bought together and Amazon exclusives frequently frequently bought together is one that gets me all the time yeah just being honest yeah Um, and then like I wonder if they'll have like the same deal in the store where it's like hey if you um if you spend over $35, you get this thing, you get like a special deal or like you get, so, like, I'm trying to think of like the, what the in-store equivalent of free shipping would be. So what, <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm wondering here is, you know, when we're talking about like the, the cashier list stores that Amazon is opening or, and testing and what have you, um, yeah. 
is this is this gonna detect who you are when you come in the store is it gonna say all right don't waste your time just go to aisles a4 and east six and whatever and that's where you're gonna get these items that you know you want and we know you want so just do it maybe <laughs> maybe like <laughs> I, I, I have no I, idea. I don't know I just, I just i feel like that's something like that's going to be occurring here you know like one idea that i would like to do and then like of course this is going to be like the the bane of my existence for suggesting that we do this on air on the podcast it would be cool to check this place out i agree like i mean greyhound buses are like 10 bucks for a round trip my car's but free your car's <laughs> free. What up? but that requires you driving to soho so yeah if you want to, if you want to drive in new york city then be my guest i'll sit in your backseat <laughs> <Yeah. but laughs> we can just cash cab it all the way up there i've done it i've done it many times before we'll, we'll dance with the idea and if all we right do, we'll see we'll see yeah that's why i said like i'm gonna i'm gonna eat my words for saying this on air but yeah um, it would be a cool idea yeah just while it's fresh in my head um but yeah i think this could be and it, I think it's going to be a really cool idea. Uh, it opens tomorrow for anybody who is interested and lives in the New York area. So if you happen to be in the Soho area tomorrow, um, it'll be open for you to check out. Yeah. And um, send us some pictures of what kind, what the lines are like or like what the store is like inside if you're allowed to ph- like take photography inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine they probably would just for the, the free press in itself. Probably, yeah. But also, um, I'm more interested to see what Amazon's next brick and mortar venture is going to be because we know for a fact they're not done with this. This is just like <laughs> one in many of yeah. uh, their potential uh, excursions that they could do. They're on their third step out of everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but we have one more topic to talk about as well. Um, yeah. And this one is... I mean, like, if you if you were to look at stories at face value in our show notes, this probably should have been the biggest story <laughs> out of all. Uh, of them. Um, but in typical IFRO fashion, uh, we've made talking about video games and an operating system far more important than this. Well, it's um, my return. We're saving controversy for last. That's how I like to see it. I like it. Um, but for those of you who are not in the live stream um, and can see the article that I've just put up, Apple has stolen Qualcomm chip secrets and given them to Intel, um, which is alluded by um, Qualcomm, the chip developer. Uh, they are claiming that Apple has misused trade secrets between some of their developers to help Intel make cheaper iPhone modems for their newer devices, particularly the 10s. Um, but they started, uh, Apple's been away from Qualcomm for quite some time. Um, they started using Intel in, uh, some of their chips as far back as the iPhone four. Um, but they were, that, that was when they experimented with Qualcomm and Intel, but they've since switched back to, uh, Intel, um, with, some uh and we and i think we, we might have talked about the controversy of the older iphones this may have been before us of um the iphone uh, iphone models in 2016 performing worse depending on which model number you had because the model number depended on whether it had a qualcomm chip or an intel chip and the qualcomm chip performed better and 
there was a lawsuit that uh, Apple was actually throttling the Qualcomm chips to match the Intel in mm. terms of speed and capability. So it didn't look like you were actually getting a way better experience on one phone. That is so. de definitely before our time. And I had not heard this till now. And that is absurd. Okay. <laughs> that is yes, absurd. Apple's been doing some shady stuff with Qualcomm for quite some time. Wow. Um, I think this was back in the iPhone 6 and 6S, um, those phones. Um, you, we wouldn't know because Apple throttled the chip at the OS level, um, maybe even at the kernel level, which is even lower than that. <laughs> so there would have been no way for you to know. Um, but um, Qualcomm said that their chips, and this, we've seen those chips in other phones, and they perform way better than that. Um, so that was their original complaint. Um, but their their complaint here is accusing Apple of violating a software agreement by refusing to let Qualcomm audit Apple's compliance with that agreement, um, which seems a little shady. That Apple's not letting them check their notes to make sure that they're not taking a little bit too much from Qualcomm. Um, but um, they have recently alluded um, that Qualcomm has no evidence and maybe that's because Apple's not letting them see any of the evidence. <laughs> maybe it's not. Um, it's it's like it's really shady on both sides. Like yeah. Qualcomm has been known; they're they're not they're not afraid to sue people. I can right? I can I could see it going both ways. Like I could see why Apple would say no, right? Because if Intel has some kind of tech that they don't want Qualcomm to see, obviously they don't want that investigated. But at the same time, when you cite such references as them down downgrading or what was the term you used uh like throttling. throttling yeah throttling qualcomm chips to match performance of an intel chip like that's pretty shady stuff <laughs> that's that's almost as bad as it gets with this when you of. consider their history it's yeah. like it's just like a one more thing it's the it's to quote the verge article again it's a death by a thousand cuts so um, does does the, the qualcomm just get cut out and then see like okay the iPhones they're performing as though they have our hardware so like they must be using our hardware just under a different name is that so, how this happened no so um they were saying that the discovery to this date um, in the action is indicating that their theft of their protected information extends far beyond the initial breach that led to them originally filing the lawsuit. Um, they're saying that it's included that their chipset supplier communications as well as source code and related information is in Apple's possession. Um, so they pointed towards an internet posting regarding Intel layoffs, which has... Um, which was made by a former Intel engineer working on a modem chipset. Hmm. And they were told to ignore IP rights when designing that modem. And they said there was even a conspiracy to copy Qualcomm technology by hints from Apple about the reference device that they were using. So if that's true, that is very like damning evidence against Apple on what this could potentially mean. Under what circumstances ignoring IP rights? Yeah, Not a red flag. <laughs> right. <That's>, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. God. So this is a very, very messy legal battle that's been, that's probably going to, we're not going to hear the end of this for maybe a couple of years. Um, I don't even think we've officially heard the full end of the, the, the one that I talked about at the head of this topic with the chipsets being throttled. But in, in the um, meantime, they're they're faking their commits to their source code to look like they don't match Qualcomm's. 
Yep. <laughs> so they're saying that uh, on information and belief, this is a direct quote from Qualcomm, on information and belief, Apple long ago devised a plan to improvise the performance of non-Qualcomm chipset solutions, including Intel's, by stealing Qualcomm's technology and using it to establish a second source of chipsets in order to pressure Qualcomm in business negotiations over chipset supply and pricing, and ultimately to divert um, Qualcomm's Apple-based business to Intel, from which Apple could extract more favorable terms. And their illegal conduct was calculated and pervasive, particularly among its engineers working with Qualcomm and Intel chipsets. Wow. So uh, that's a very bold statement to make. Um, and Qualcomm is not happy with this. Um, if that's true, and Apple has been flexing this a little bit too much, I think we're in we're in the runnings for seeing a very big payout to Qualcomm. <laughs> if this is true, the, um, now Apple is also in the middle of countersuing yeah. Qualcomm. Yeah, as well. like I mean, it's like, you, like you might see those interactions between those two lawsuits just end up in in not as big of a payout as we're thinking, but you're right. I mean, if, if what you just said is true, it's, it's a, it's, it's going to be a pretty payday. For it looks like there's like three lawsuits from Apple in 2017 alone against Qualcomm. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I think, I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, and this is, I think that's like the, the corporation equivalent of like when a drunk guy starts to push you around at the bar, you have to like stand up and like act tough. So you just counter sue him for something else. How, so it's like, uh, it's like two frat boys who tucked their, their button ups to their salmon colored shirts and yell, my dad will sue you. You both of them have their shirts off right now. Like, yeah, or, exactly. or two girls who both said, catch me outside. How about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring him back. Bring it back. Yeah. There we go. We got a millennial take into it. How has this been so quiet, though? That's what I want to know. Because I haven't heard a, a word about this until tonight. I've been hearing some of it pop up here and there on, on the articles, but I think the Facebook and Instagram news, as well as the Sony crossplay stuff, much like our podcast, has derailed this topic that's been going <laughs> on. <laughs> With, yeah. these, with this much more pervasive legal battle going on between two huge companies in the Silicon Valley area. Such is life. Yeah. It's like, do I talk about a Qualcomm lawsuit, which we've all heard? It's like everyone's done the same old song and dance, or do I talk about my Fortnites? Like, which one do I go off of here? Which one's which more one, fun for the listeners? Uh, which one let gets me more think. clicks, yeah. Yeah. So I think that might be very, like, it is, as like stupid as it sounds, like that probably boils down to exactly what's going on here. Um but it's it's shady it's shady all around there's lawsuits flying everywhere and um i want to I'm, I'm trying to figure out like I'm, I'm like i've been like reading this article up and down like the past day just like trying to understand what's going on here and i still like can't make heads of tails of like it, you need like a flow chart to draw out all the lawsuits going back and forth and all the <laughs> allegations and the statements and or everything a venn like, diagram maybe and that's like completely <laughs> ignoring the ignore the IP comments that were made from Apple employees. Yeah. So I, guess, I, so I actually clicked on another article uh, from the, the main article that we were we were looking at just to see further into the, the Apple suing Qualcomm. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they uh, the lawsuit also Apple's lawsuit last year also notes that law enforcement agencies around the world are investigating Qualcomm, which has quote which quote has been declared a monopolist by three separate governments in the past two years. <laughs> and apparently they were holding out just over a billion dollars in money that it owed to Apple 
for um, what they are referring to as uh, as like a type of extortion. <laughs> like basically, they wanted them to lie to the Korean Federal Trade Commission about Qualcomm, giving mm-hmm. them more positive reviews before they paid them the money that they already owed them. Wow. God. And then I haven't clicked on it yet, but there's an article right here that says Feds sue Qualcomm for anti-competitive patent license. <laughs> so it's uh, Qualcomm's got their foot in a lot of lawsuits right now. Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, and and then if you want to take it from the other side, <laughs> yeah, you have um, Apple. Uh, you have Qualcomm alleging to Apple saying that. Um, they, they, Apple has demanded unprecedented access to the core functionality and like source of the Qualcomm chipsets to work in Apple devices. Uh, they're alleging that Apple violated the terms of this agreements by working with Intel and beginning to mix these devices into one in order to have one hardware experience. So it's kind of like one of those things where like everyone throws their papers on the desk and then people just kind of, it gets lost. People pick up the wrong stuff. Um, and they're saying that they're Apple's covert misappropriation of Qualcomm's trade secrets and other protected information um, through meetings with Intel, through deals that they've been working out, through becoming more aggressive with prices towards Qualcomm, with Intel chipsets getting better. Like Qualcomm is just trying to see like Apple's kind of laying this, this like breadcrumb trail out and Qualcomm is just like, what's going on here? Because like everything is shifting from Apple. So Apple looks shady there. Because they're they're alleging that Apple deliberately violated the terms of the agreement, uh, and a separate agreement that Apple let Qual- that let Apple use Qualcomm's software development tools. Hmm. So like not only were they using the chipsets, they were using their internal software as well. Yeah. So, like Apple had its fingers pretty deep into Qualcomm stuff, and um, it's really hard to go either one way or the other. So who's right? Who's wrong? Is like like you said, you have Qualcomm being accused of like international espionage, <laughs> with and then and then you have Apple on the other side just like digging through their drawers, taking all their trade secrets, and like stealing all their information, and, and telling them to be like, hey, like take this chip and make it look like this one because our phone has one chip in it, right? Everyone's gonna want one experience. They don't want one phone that's faster. They want one phone. So like you have Apple trying to cut corners and get Intel up to speed. Because Intel's been lagging behind Qualcomm for years now in mobile chipsets. Um, it's all just shady. Honestly, yeah. I, I think when it's all said and done, you're going to see maybe not everything being true, but but solid truths on both sides. Yeah. Apple's just at the center of all of this because they're the one who's got all the trade negotiations and deals between Intel and Qualcomm. So they're, they're obviously going to be the target of a ton of lawsuits, but... Only time will tell what this means for Apple and what this means for Qualcomm. If Qualcomm's ever going to have to pay their billion billions of dollars or if Apple's <laughs> ever going to have to give Qualcomm their USB sticks back, who knows. Um, but I think we probably haven't heard the last of this. And um, I'll try to come up with more to report on for next week if there's any follow-up. But um, it's an interesting read for anybody who's interested. Ars Technica did a really good write-up on this. Um, in the show notes, uh, and like you said, Kyle, there's there's links to plenty of other discussions across the oh, internet yeah. on this. Yep. Um, so yeah. Um, does anybody have any closing points they wanted to make about this or Fortnite or anything else? I'm just I'm just happy that Kyle's back. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm happy too, guys. Yeah, this felt really good. This was fun. This was fun. This was a great episode. God, I've missed you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we haven't seen the last of you. So I, I can guarantee. I mean, it might be another like 10 weeks, but that's fine. Oh, we're hoping not. We're hoping not. If you can cut that down to like one or two, I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm pushing for. All right. Yeah. All right. And, um, and uh, one thing I did want to mention, because I don't think we ever formally talked about this on air. Um, and this is more for the listener. Um, I know that when a podcast that I listen to and some of the stuff that I like to listen to doesn't drop on the day that I'm expecting it to. <laughs> I get kind of annoyed and I'm like, what the heck? I was gonna, I was like already like threw me out of my flow, you know? Like I wanted to listen to this on the day that I expect it to come out. And we have for a long time now done Sunday mornings as our airtime. And at some point on Sunday and maybe later Monday, we've uh, drop the episode but it's mostly been same day uh release but i just wanted to formally like let the listeners know that um due to some increasing complexity in personal schedules we've elected to move towards weekday shows um with the plan being monday but obviously today is wednesday um so um we just hope you guys bear with us in the the coming weeks while we figure out our schedules and get everything sorted out but yeah. we are all adults working adult jobs that yeah. besides this podcast so i just wanted to formally state that on air lots of travel and you know uh commitments coming into play here so we're yeah. we're doing the best we can to get as much as many of us as we can on air at one time yeah each week yeah. but one of the good things guys is that uh the weekdays when we started we were usually monday nights uh weekdays have always been better for me so that should result in seeing this ugly mug way more often and way good more thing. beard yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say in relation to kyle good thing it's a podcast because <laughs> you were like seeing this ugly mug and i was like but it's a podcast <laughs> I'm, I'm a i'm a face for radio baby i really am <laughs> that's fine <laughs> i've heard that line before um but yeah so thank you to any of the listeners who have put up with the the craziness that is our schedules um and for those of you who've uh, been following us on Twitter, I have been trying my best to keep up to date on posting when we expect to go live. So if you are like me and you get frustrated when your podcasts don't air at the right time, uh, just follow us on Twitter. Um, I'll be sure to keep that up to date with the most recent airtimes. Um, also on Facebook and Twitter, it's set up so that way when we go live, um, those posts are made automatically. So um, anybody who sees those links come up, uh, expect an episode. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, anybody else have any closing points? Or I think that's it, right? Yeah, if you just want to, I guess, real quick shout out platforms, that's about it. Yeah. Um, so if you liked what you heard, and you want to catch up with us on those social media accounts, um, such as Twitter, like I mentioned. You can follow us on any one of the social media accounts above or below if you're following us on Twitch. Um, that is at Industry40, all spelled out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, if you would like to catch up with us on any of our other platforms, you can follow us on Google Play, 
iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, as well as like TuneIn and all those other um, podcatcher apps where you can listen to fine podcasts. Um, if you wanted to dictate your Echo or your Google Home to play the latest episode of Industry 4.0, you could do that. Um, but yeah, and, and also if you if you liked what you heard, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or Stitcher um, or even Podbean. It's wherever you would like to catch up with us and get a discussion going. We're always happy to talk with you guys and learn what you like and what you don't like. Um, so yeah, uh, with that being said, this has been episode 69 nice and <laughs> I'll see you guys I'll see you guys see ya